This podcast is part of the Garnet Media Group Podcast Network. Garnet Media Group is a partnership between student-run media outlets at the University of South Carolina. Find out more about Garnet Media Group's podcast and other student work on garnetmedia.org. What's up and welcome into the lead block. Happy Thursday. Is it Thursday? It is Thursday. Happy Thursday, everybody. Uh, my name is Tyler Walters. Oh, well, yeah, it will be Thursday. Gotcha. It will be Thursday. Thank you. Now we're back on Wednesday. Um, Same thing. We're in the time portal. Uh, my name is Tyler Walters, and I'm alongside Matthew Anderson. Matthew, what's up? Doing great, man. And producer Brendan's in, too. So, uh, How you guys doing? We're doing. And then, so we, what, what's up? I, I'm, I'm all over the place already to start to this one off. I feel like we haven't been on, we haven't, actually haven't been on in a while. I guess the last uh, episode we had was like two weeks ago? Maybe three yeah. at this point. Quarantine's crazy. With uh, um, what the boys said. Yeah, with yeah. Cedric uh, Malone. Um, and hopefully you guys enjoyed that. If you didn't listen to it, go listen to it now. It was really good. Talked a lot about Spring Football League. Uh, just some other things that around the University of South Carolina football program and, like, recruits coming up, guys to watch out for. Because that gives a few names there at the end of guys to, to look out for um, in the next couple of years, which is pretty cool. Um, it was a really good conversation. So, as always with him, that was that was fun. So, if you didn't listen, go check it out. Also, make sure you're following the lead block on Twitter and Instagram, at the lead underscore block. Make sure you're subscribed to the show on Apple or follow us on Spotify. Um, leave a rating for us. That'd be sick. Let us know what you think. Uh, follow Matthew at Matthew Chosen one with the number one and myself at Tyler Walters CNR. But we'll kind of get started today. So we finally had some sports things happen in, in the uh, – something happening in the world of sports. The draft last, last week. And then two Sundays ago, we finally had the premiere of this Jordan doc – or the Bulls doc, Last Dance – so we're going to talk about both of those things today, um, and, and we'll get – I know Matthew and Brendan have both loved The Last Dance. I like it a lot. I've got some – some. I wish it was better in parts. So I'm curious to see what you, about, what you have what to you say about it. Better? Um, you want to start we'll, – let's, let's save that for the end. We'll start with the draft, and then okay. we'll go we'll, – we'll get back to uh, The Last Dance because I'm curious to see if you agree with me or not, Matthew. Um, cause I think it's been really, really entertaining. Uh, but I, there are parts of it. I wish were, I wish I had more. Um, but we'll start with the draft. Javon Kinlock going to the 49ers for like, I was shocked. I was super shocked. So that was what pick 15, 14, 15? that was 14, 14. Yeah. So right before I thought he like, after he falls out of the top 10, which I kind of didn't expect him to get taken in the top ten, given who was there. I he'll he'll probably be better than Derek Brown in his career. Um, that's that's biased for sure. Derek Brown's really good kid from Auburn. He went number I don't remember. He went in the top ten. Um, Derek Brown went seven to the Panthers. Yeah, yeah, he went to Carolina. A lot of people wanted Ken to go to Carolina so they could just travel up the road and see him. Um, I mean, that would have been cool. I'm personally I, – I hate the Panthers, so I was fine with them not going there. You, I don't want to really watch the Panthers next year. Did you guys see the – I guess the Panthers didn't draft one offensive player. It was all defensive I didn't see people. that. Really? I mean – Yeah, I think so. They That's, could use receivers. That was big. They could use receivers. They have Christian McCaffrey, who is now the highest paid running back in the NFL. They got a weird situation going in with quarterback that they got to worry about. Matt Rule's a defensive guy, so they're from Baylor now. Um, and you've got Joe Brady on the offensive side, who you're kind of hoping can make something out of nothing. Like, I think his play scheme at – he obviously had elite playmakers at LSU, but if the scheme works, the scheme works. So you don't really need – like, NFL talent is still NFL talent. And he's going to be – like, the athletes he's dealing with now are better. Just the competition is better. So, like, he can – I mean, it's weird not to draft an offensive guy, but, like, I don't know. Top seven, you pick in a defensive tackle, you're – that's probably never a miss. That's that's a, that's an accurate choice, like, 
90% of the time you take an offensive guy, like other, if, unless it's a lineman, you're, you might be struggling if, if he's a bust. High, high, you, high risk on that. What do you say? That, uh, Matt Rule, if he'd be a defensive guy, it sounds like he's taking the approach of the defense wins championships model. And so, therefore, he yeah. wants to build up that defense to be whatever, you know, obviously, to, to the capacity that it can be. And, therefore, Teddy Bridgewater, obviously, he's a good quarterback. I don't know. I like Teddy, dude. I'm hyped. Like I'm hyped him. Teddy's getting the start. I, I like him, I think. But it's like, okay, so I know Teddy ain't going to give the ball away probably. And therefore, we're gonna have a good defense. And he's I think a smart, that he, he plays a smart quarterback. He's like he's more of the let's not make mistakes quarterback. So, which is, I mean, which is good. And he was great last year with the Saints. Uh, he's gonna be in the same division again. So, and the defenses in that division aren't like don't kid yourself. Like they aren't the best in the world. But the Falcons have a pretty good D. But like the Saints D gets run all over all the time, like year in and year out. And Tampa Bay is. I mean, they got Tom Brady and Robin Krakowski, but Gronk has had a billion surgeries, and Tom Brady's 43. So, some, I mean, things will catch up with them eventually, but their defense isn't great. Like, it's, 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 it's good. It's an NFL defense, but it's no better than, you know, the other – the Falcons are definitely the best in the division. I thought that was crazy that the Falcons went out and got AJ Terrell in the first round at pick sixteen. I keep hearing that the cornerback, the cornerbacks in this draft weren't like as great as uh, they've been in the past. I did like Oka, the guy from Ohio State. I liked him a lot. Uh, I like Henderson. I think his last name from Florida. I liked to yeah, CJ Henderson. Yeah, but AJ, I think part of the reason is because the last time I saw him perform, it seems it was uh, against LSU and where Jamar Chase was just having a field day. Because I think mm-hmm. he was a probably a pretty good corner, like, throughout the regular season. But after watching that, it was kind of like, ooh. And so I saw him going in the first round, pick 16 to the Falcons. But I guess they're going to pair him up. They have a lot of Clemson guys over there because they got uh, uh, Vic Beasley. I don't know if y'all remember him and Grady Jarrett. Yep. So just adding to the pipeline of Clemson to Atlanta. Yeah, there, there is uh... That will uh, – well, right, we'll put a pin in the draft for now. For that part of it, we're going to go to – you just brought up a point where you talked about him, AJ Terrell playing good in the regular season. This is the difference between people love to talk about the SEC bias, ESPN, blah, blah, blah. The difference between the SEC and the other four quote-unquote power conferences is the level of talent across the board. There is – like. So, what, what, how many picks were the top ten or seven top ten guys were SEC guys? So it was like six or seven, something crazy. And, and like forty percent of the draft is our SEC guys, and then the next closest was the ACC. Which, if you took out Clemson, ACC might be you know they're going to be at the bottom of the barrel. The Pac-12, like no one produces NFL talent like the SEC does, and it just it just aggravates the piss out of me every year when we have to hear fans from other conferences talk about how everyone hypes up the SEC and the only reason they're ranked is because they beat the other ranked teams in the SEC. And if you didn't rank the SEC teams, they wouldn't be any better than anyone else. I mean, they just are. The talent is just so much better here in this conference than anywhere else. And it gets proven every single year in the draft. And I think it's now the SEC has had the most players drafted in each NFL draft since 2007, 2006 or 2007, which is ridiculous. So, and which goes back to my point about AJ Terrell. Play it's hard to get a good read on a guy when you're playing, let's face it, when you're playing ACC wideouts, right? He's probably a really good corner. I mean, he's definitely a really good corner. He's like we we can only assume what he would be at LSU or at Alabama or at Georgia or somewhere where he played the most elite wideouts in the country week in and week out. But all the elite wideouts in the ACC were on his team, so he never had to face them, you know, in a game. Um, it's just – it's hard to hold one bad game against him. And It was a national championship, but he's he put up 2.99 good years before that. Uh, it's like him going to the Falcons, to me, was – I mean, that was for sure their backup plan. I think that they thought they were getting Ken Law like 100%. And the 49ers kind of shocked all of us and took Ken Law, which I'm, I'm pumped about. Were you high, were you as excited about it as I am? 
the 49ers for the past couple of years have been going big in the defensive line. Cause I think a couple of years ago, they got the guy from San Francisco. Obviously I'm pretty sure it was last year. They got the Bosa. They, they are hammering at getting guys in that defensive line. So that must be a priority for was it Lynch, John Lynch over there in San yep. Francisco. That seems like that's a very high priority for him out there. Yeah. I mean, they had the best defensive line in the NFC West last year uh, and probably in the NFC, maybe in the entire NFL. Like it's their their line is crazy now. Like you add Ken Law on top of that, who just came out earlier. He's gonna be wearing number ninety nine. So I might have to scoop me a ninety nine Ken Law jersey <laughs> with the forty nine ers. So you got Debo out there now, and you got um, Ken Law. And Debo was Instagram live during the draft, and I Brendan had it on, I think. And I like once once Ken Law got drafted, Debo loses his mind. So yeah, that was like was that was cool to see. Yeah, so – and then also, if you even look back, I remember the Marcus Lattimore was drafted there. You had Chris yep. Cullerford that was there. Bruce Ellington did a stint there. And so they really love I, – I think it's kind of like how in, when now it's Oakland, but it used to be Houston where a lot of Clemson guys end up going. That's just San Francisco's like that with Carolina guys. Yeah, it, it has been – like it, it's it's been a number – Culliver actually had a pretty good stint there returning. He was returning punts for him for a while uh, and kicks. He did pretty good for a while there. Chris Culliver was – a lot of, it was kind of forgotten about here at South Carolina. Really, really good talent returning punts when he was here at USC. On a great DB too. So yeah. Um, then we'll go from from there. Like my so no surprises. We'll we'll start at the top here. We just keep circling all the way around this draft. Um, Joe Joe Burrow number one. No surprises. Those Ohio State guys. That Ohio State was insane in this draft. It's like the SEC and Ohio State. Like, yep. if you just look at the oh, first and, and guys, they all played at Ohio State, being Joe Burrow just decided to leave. Obviously, Okadu and uh, Eric Jeff and Chase Young. It's like Ohio State had a ton of guys you can draft. So I think really – I would imagine at their football facility, if you go into it and you go to the pro room, it's like that's one of the – obviously that's one of the feature things they show recruits because it's like, yo, any draft you can look at it, we're going to have a couple guys in the top – at least one guy in the top – obviously the top ten, but throughout the draft and throughout the NFL, they're littered with talent from Ohio State. Yeah, here's the – so uh, Joe Burrow, number one. I'm still not like I don't wanna I don't wanna sound dumb when I say this, but I'm still not completely like in on Joe Burrow, the NFL quarterback. Like I just think that we've watched, you know, Justin Herbert for three or four years now and said he was the best pro style quarterback, but had the best fit for the NFL of any quarterback in his class. He would have been the number one quarterback to come out last year. And then Tua, we watched him for three years a little bit of an injury problem, which he's going to be fully recovered from anyway uh, by the time the season starts. And then Joe Burrow has, I mean, a record-setting year, no doubt. He set all-time records this year in an offense where he had three of the best receivers in the country, The uh, a lot of pro football focus, the number one rated offensive line, um, a, quarter, a running back who went 32nd overall. Great pick. Great like, pick. you can't. I, Joe Burrow could not have been set up for more success than he was at LSU. And while he was electric to watch there, I'm still not like, oh, he's going to be a savior of the Bengals franchise. I, I just like, I don't really get that attitude yet. And I I think he m- makes sense for the Bengals to take number one, right? He's the local kid. He's got the local story, right? So even if he fails, your fan base is still going to look back at that and say it was the right pick to take number one. But I think if it was the Dolphins picking number one uh, or, you know, the Panthers or whoever else in the country, I, I don't know if I would have taken Joe. I think I would have taken Tua over Joe Kerr, like, at, yeah. at number one. Yeah, I, I think really lot, do. I think a lot of people probably would have been saying that the only reason that held – the only thing that held Tua back is injury pass, and obviously him coming off injury now. I like Joe Burrow. One thing I really like about him is it seems like one of the main parts of it, like he's not, he's obviously a big guy and can move pretty well. But one of the major parts of his game is preparation, which is obviously very important to the NFL level. And so, but I do think with Peyton Manning bringing it to his attention, I mean, interceptions he had his first year, Joe might struggle originally because he's not, maybe not be as physically gifted as a lot of other guys. But if he's able to continue to prepare and obviously experience stuff like that, I think he's going to have a, I think he'll have a decent career. I think he'll be better than Andy Dalton. 
Um, I don't know. Oh exactly uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think he'll be better than Andy Dalton too. I, that's not like it's easy to rip on Andy Dalton, but Andy Dalton also has started in the NFL for like ten years now. Like yeah, you don't yeah. get to be a starter in the NFL for that long and be bad at playing quarterback. Like granted, is the Bengals aren't the most successful franchise in the world, but they got a, a new a second year head coach now, and they've got some playmakers because they they got like I mean they had the best player in each round of the draft. So it's, I, but I just, I don't know. I, I'm still going to, I'm like nervous about Joe Burrow going number one and how good of a pick that'll be five, 10 years from now. I, I hope it's good. I really love watching Joe Burrow when he's good. I think he's more fun to watch than Tua. Um, just cause he bombs. Like we see Tua bomb the ball. I'm still like, I, I don't know. It's. I have more fun watching Joe Burrow. I just believe that Tua will be better uh, over a longer period of time. Not to mention, that's a, he's in a really tough division uh, with the Steelers. Uh, obviously, who's consistently in the mix, and then he's with the Ravens, the Ravens. who are on the ride, climb up, and and the Browns with the Odell Beckham and all those guys. And so, I mean, it's a tough division. So even if he has a decent career or not, it's like the division that he's in is just getting started with a lot of young talent. So. And yeah, that's true. Consistent. Yeah, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, the Steelers are going to be going through somewhat of a rebuild uh, in the, over the next couple of years, but, like, they don't miss the playoffs. So they're a playoff team. The Ravens still have one of the best uh, defenses in the NFL, and the Browns aren't the Browns, you know, from four years ago. They're the Browns. Like, even though they were super hyped up last year and it didn't perform, like, teams still had to give it their best shot to beat the Browns. And I think a lot of that was – they got hyped up. They got so tired of hearing about the Browns all offseason, how good the Browns were going to be. So they made sure they prepared extra hard to play Cleveland just so they could beat the crap out of them, like kind of shut everyone up. I think that weighed into the Browns season a little bit too. Um, but, yeah, it, it's that is a tough division. But then we'll skip to Tua, who goes five to Dolphins. And I I heard the um, the Chargers GM I, – I can't remember all these GMs' names – Chargers GM, uh, Chargers said the six picks, said if Tua would have dropped to six, they would have taken Tua as well. So Tua was going to be the next quarterback, or Tua was going to be taken in the top six picks no matter what. Um, I'm kind of like, I get taking Tua, but like why did you trade for Josh Rosen last year when you knew you were going to be bad anyway because you're the Dolphins and then you had a first-year head coach, Brian Flores, and you did have some good wins at the end of the season to kind of boost some morale. But – why did you get Josh Rosen knowing that you were going to take Tua because Tua was coming out this year no matter what? Like, you knew you were going to have a top-five pick. You knew there was going to be a quarterback there. Why, so why did you take Josh Rosen? That's my problem with the Tua pick is now and, – and it's nothing like – it's not like I like Josh Rosen defending him. I think he sucks. I think he's a terrible quarterback. Like, his attitude about everything is just kind of crappy. Like, it was really bad when he got drafted, what, two years ago now? Like, his, like, some of the comments he made were just ridiculous. Um, like, saying that he – like, to say that you don't love football and then to also want to be a top-10 draft pick is stupid. Like, you can think that, but you don't need to say it. Um, and I never really thought he was that great at UCLA. But why do you have him now? Because it's a, he's a waste of a roster spot. Because two is not really learning much from Josh Rose. Uh, right? Is Ryan I think he's already better. What did you say? Is Ryan Fitzpatrick still on that team? Uh, yeah, I think so for right now. That's what that's what you need. You need a veteran quarterback. You don't need, you, you like you don't need Josh Rosen. So what are you gonna do with him now? He's gonna his crazy career will just keep going because he was with Arizona and he watched, you know, Arizona take Kyler Murray number one overall last year. Um, and then you're gonna <laughs> watch Tua get taken in front of you this year at number five. So clearly, like, people think that the quarterbacks coming out are better than you, which I, I agree with. I mean, I think Kyler Murray and two are both better than them. But what are you going to do with that Josh Rosen now if you're the Dolphins? They should have tried to trade with him and just get an extra, you know, a pick or two late in the draft and, and let someone else, let him be someone else's problem. Yeah, it seems like, man, Josh Rosen has had some of the worst luck ever. First-round pick, like you said, watched the next year. They would go get uh, Kyler Murray, then to get traded. Now, uh, yet again, they spend that team that you're with spends a first-round pick, go get another quarterback. And then the, depending on – I don't know how the Dolphins do, but a lot of teams only carry two quarterbacks, maybe yeah. three, 
if the third one is an athletic guy like a Robert Griffin the third. Sometimes they put him in run packages and stuff like that. So I don't even know if uh, Josh Rosen going to make the team. That dude has had the worst. Has absolute, and then I was listening to Jordan Palmer talk about it. You know, he's the quarterback smart. And he's like, he just – he kind of said the same thing. He's like, he just had the worst luck. He's like, he can make the throws and stuff like that. But I, I don't know what's going on where Rosen will end up landing. And I know this is taking hits at your confidence, too. You go from – obviously, you was at UCLA, and they weren't a great team. But you go from being a first-round pick to just bounced around and bounced around. And so, um, I know his yeah, confidence is probably so shot to the point where I, he'll probably – wherever he – if he does stay at the Dolphins, hopefully he'll get some reps in the um, preseason just to get your confidence going. Like, yo, I can actually do this because it seems like I keep getting passed over. It's one of the most bizarre things we've, like, in our lifetime that we've seen in the draft or, like, what to do with the drafts and with quarterbacks is, you know, here's a top here's a top ten draft pick who has had one kind of a year playing quarterback, right? Because he didn't really play, you know, like, he just I – don't, I, don't, I just don't get it. Like, he hasn't had, like, anything try to be set up around him. It's both of his seasons in the NFL have been – bridge me to the draft so I can draft a quarterback yeah. so I don't have to watch you on the field, which I can't not agree with because, I I mean, I think Josh Rosen stinks. I don't think he was ever going to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. I thought he was going to at best be a career backup, and I still don't get NFL teams taking quarterbacks in the top, like, 10 to 15 picks when you can look at them and you can say, okay, this guy does might have a high ceiling, but his floor is very, very low. I would rather you, as you know, if you were my NFL team, I would rather you take that defensive lineman whose floor is very high, whose floor is average at worst, uh, versus Josh Rosen, whose floor is he might get cut, right? And I, I, I just don't – but NFL franchises will continue to waste those top-end draft picks year in and year out when they could have gotten a guy who went in the third round – you know, the second or third round to a different team who just kind of fell through someone who goes on to be super successful, you could have snuck him up, you know, and earlier in your draft board because you evidence said you wasted on a quarterback that you're never going to use. And, so, and then, I mean, like, you look back at that the draft for the uh, Cardinals two years ago, it's just a waste of a top ten pick when they yeah, got I mean, someone to help them out. And then one thing you're also starting to notice is like okay, so Josh Rosen and Sam Darnold, they worked, they worked. Well, I'm not gonna say they worked out, but they were able to get picks. Nowadays, it seems like guys want guys that are mobile, and so uh, this is yet the second situation where he's been kind of booted out from not a starting job, but really, did they pick the first round pick? after him for a guy that's mobile and so it's really starting to be like yo if you're not a mobile quarterback you better be really really good in that pocket like seems like Darnold's been able, or the, maybe just the team really the uh not depends the team really believes in Darnold but for the most yeah. part it's like if you're a liability almost if you can't really move around at least to the extent of like a Joe Burrow or somebody like that because those Dar- guys Darnold, like has flashes guys. though Darnold Darnold has flashes of him being a good quarterback I don't think he's ever going to be great. I think he can be a good quarterback. And if you can build a team around him, build a defense that is going to not force him to score 30 points a game, they could be an, a super, he could be a Super Bowl winning quarterback. Yeah, I think he's one of the last of his kind, though, as far as like just, just specific um, drop back quarterbacks like in the NFL. I think we're like, I would say five, seven years down the line, they're going to want you to move. I don't really see, I don't watch a lot of his stuff though. Does he uh, sort of kind of maybe avoid the pressure, get the ball out guy? Does he ever run for a first down? What, yeah, a- yeah. I mean, he'll take off, but it's like, I mean, he's a throw, he's going to be a throw first guy, which I don't know, like even some of the, that's the thing else is tough, is getting tough, tougher and tougher as a quarterback, right? Because it was, you know, only throw. And then it was throw first guys or run first guys. And coaches have broken the run first quarterbacks now into there's not really that many of them, those those guys left. It's now like you were a throw first. And then when you have to run, you're the best athlete on the field. So it's like Pop Warner football where you just stick the best, best athlete at quarterback instead of it being, okay, like you have to be this traditional NFL molded quarterback. Yeah. Like, now we just stick the best athlete at quarterback, which makes the most sense, right? Like, all the five-year-olds on the playground are doing it. So, just basic human instinct, right? The guy who can run as fast as 
and can run over the most people, who's the strongest, and who can throw the ball the farthest should be the quarterback, which just makes it – making it harder and harder for guys who are, like, traditional passers who can put the ball on a dime and can pass the ball, you know, better than 99% of the other quarterbacks in the league but just can't do the the other things. I think I would rather take a little bit less accuracy for more playmaking ability and my quarterbacks and people are – like, the NFL is starting to, like, catch up with that. College football is already there. Like, we've sacrificed accuracy for playmaking ability a long time ago. Like, they've been putting the best quarterback – best athlete on the field at quarterback for the last, I don't know, 10, 15 years. I, don't, I, I can't even tell you who the first, like, you know, scramble mobile quarterback was. Nate, eh, I can't say Tebow. He's just like a bowling ball out there. Maybe Cam, like first big time one. Like Cam's big too. Probably so, Michael Vick. And it just and it well, seemed like I think Michael Vick was ten years before his time though. I just don't think like Michael Vick was Michael Vick like if he was Michael there there was just no Michael Vick for like fifteen years after he was Michael Vick. Right. It, it's it's just I don't I don't like the position is changing so much that I think like these like the Josh Rosen types who come out unless they are, you know, Trevor Lawrence's build where he's six, six and just massive or Justin Herbert, who I really, really like who's going to the LA chargers who I hope is really good. Um, And like, unless you're like that just big and you have that big of a big of an arm, like uh, Josh Allen in Buffalo, like, unless you can do that, and even those guys can kind of run. Like, yeah. I think just, like, we're getting to the point in the NFL where we're, like, you're the Tom Brady's, the – I mean, Peyton Manning's already gone. You know, Phil Rivers, Drew Brees is about to go. Like, those, like, those style of guys are going out if they aren't already out. And you're kind of transitioning to everyone – what everyone wants to be Lamar Jackson, which you're not really going to find. I think Lamar's in a class of his own. But, like – it, the the position is changing a lot a lot it's i mean it's it's good i mean it's good it's better football i think I'm, i mean i'd rather watch lamar than uh i, I mean i don't know just pick a you know a, the kid jump rosen so it, it's i mean it's just changing up and for a lot of those guys that are kind of in the middle as far as like how they were taught to play quarterback as a kid like it's they're getting lost like Rosen is and no one will have the kind of career he's had, but it's just like, why, why are we going to put this kid as quarterback when we can just take Tua this year and Tua is better. So, and everyone knows he's better or Kyler Murray, like he's better and everyone knows he's better. So we'll just take him and ship with the Dolphins. I just don't get what the Dolphins are going to do with him now. That's why I think it's a waste of a pick. Um, my surprise in the first round, I, a guy I did not think would go into like the third round. Clyde Edwards Valaire to the Chiefs. That's a that's a great pick. Yeah, I love I love that pick, especially because I I guess the most of the nation started tuning in LSU games and started to see he can catch the ball off the backfield really well. He can avoid tackles. He can do everything you want your running back to be able to do, and he's really good at catching the ball off the backfield. And so for him to go be patch for him to go there with Patrick Holmes and with those other guys, it's like he just adds another dimension. He's a luxury, I guess you could say. I don't think they absolutely needed him. But he definitely brings something different, I think, to that running back room that they didn't have. And now it's like, yo, this really is a complete offense now. Dude, I mean, they were before. They just added someone who's like, I don't know, like they're just finding like guys who are – they're finding the smallest guy in the room who can shift around and and just really fast, and they're just putting him on the field every every year. I'm excited to see him in that offense. That's going to be really fun. He's an electric playmaker, sort of like – for him to kind of jab with, you know, what Pat Mahomes and Andy Reid already have going in Kansas City, um, and just move – like, I think he's going to be a really nice piece in addition to the other really nice – other three running backs that they have that are very good already. Uh, the one thing I wanted to see in the NFL draft the other night uh, – or the last week was in the first round that I didn't see. I wanted to see the Colts try to take a quarterback in the first or second round. Because you got Phil Rivers, so you're you're already telling me you're giving up on my guy Jacoby Brissett, which stinks. So maybe hopefully they'll just kind of they'll trade him or get something out of him, and he'll go somewhere else uh, and and do well for himself. But I wonder why the Patriots. I keep thinking, why didn't the Patriots go get him? I don't. I thought they were maybe try to get him back. I don't. I feel like Belichick could 
I mean, Belichick can win with with you playing quarterback, but like I'm, it's I don't know. Maybe they like, just don't I, want like, to I give up what they're gonna thing. have to give up like, for. Them. That- I was thinking about it. I was like, yo, that actually makes a lot of sense. It's like literally – and he just was the starting quarterback last year. So, although they go back and get Tom Steyer, whatever his name is, it's like, yo, you literally have a starter who already kind of knows how you operate to plug and go. But I guess he might just get somebody uh, – yeah, I think Stedham's going to suck. I don't think Stedham's the answer. I have zero faith in him doing it. <laughs> um, and, I mean, if you watched him at Auburn, like, he was good sometimes, but then a lot of the times he was – you couldn't – you couldn't find an Auburn fan that didn't want to kill him on a Saturday night some days. So, like, it, it's it, – you're, like, 70% chance he's going to just be terrible there. Sure. Uh, and then, I, yeah, but I wanted the Colts to take a quarterback because you got Phil Rivers, right? You're going to get two years out of him. You're basically pulling – this is like the Peyton Manning to the Broncos this is what you're doing. So, you're pulling Phil Rivers from – and his 55 kids from California to Indianapolis – why wouldn't you try to draft a young quarterback and let him sit behind Phil Rivers? Like a guy who's starting the NFL for 20 years is pretty damn good. Like he has a few faults, but like he's a really good quarterback and be able to teach someone something. Um, it, I, like, I don't know. Like I can't argue with like the Colts not taking a quarterback. Cause it's like, why would we get a quarterback right now? We don't really need one right now, but I just thought you had a golden opportunity there to go out and get someone to, kind of prime for the future uh and they didn't so whatever actually it would have made a lot of sense kind of what um how when Patrick Mahomes got to the league he was able to sit under Alex Smith obviously uh what Jordan Love would be doing under Aaron Rodgers like that would have been perfect for them because it's like Jordan come sit for a year maybe they think he needs more development but you literally come sit for a year you learn from Phillips has been in this league for however long and it's like go plug and play next year, but I guess that just—I think he's going to stink too. Like, well, like Jordan. No, my thing is when you don't hear guys' names until the day before the draft, and they get taken in the first first round as a quarterback, it's a reach. Like you're reaching already. You you have what four quarterbacks in this and taken in the first twenty picks here. Odds are m- maybe one of them will be good in the NFL. Okay. Uh, so I think a lot of times, like, if you're not trading up to the top ten to get a quarterback, which is what I was hoping kind of the Colts would do, um, like, you're just – you're not really – like, you're, you're you're probably – you're not – you're just kind of taking it. You're kind of wasting a pick. Like, you could get a receiver or a cornerback or a linebacker and groom someone in to be, like, a solid playmaker at wherever they are. I think you're wasting – Jordan Love, I don't I – don't, I don't know. I just don't. I'm not – Packers fans were not happy about it. I can't argue with him there. It's not a fun pick at all. Like, he's not high. Maybe he comes out and he's fantastic. I just – I'll just have to see that. I'll believe big, that when I see it. I'm a big fan of Jordan Love. I think – I'm hoping him to be great. I was listening to Quincy Avery talk about him. That's uh, the quarterback's coach, Deshaun Watson. I think he's with Jalen Hurts. But I was listening to him talk about him a little bit. Uh, and also, I was listening to Jordan Palmer, who's my quarterback consultant. So, I say five years down the line. If I see Jordan loved uh, seven years down the line taking the uh, Packers to the Super Bowl, so that's my hot take. I just I don't have a lot of I don't have a lot of faith in him. Um, and then last thing we'll mention on the draft, my favorite, I think like my favorite picks of the draft were the Raiders back to back at Lim Bowden and Brian Edwards. That that was they need a receiver, right? Brian Edwards, big, tall, physical receiver, like big guy. Uh, and then you get Len Bowden, who's like Randall Cobb, but better. So it, it's like, I don't know, like I can't, I love that pick. I love watching Len Bowden when he was in Kentucky last year. I mean, he played every position there was to play on offense. Like he would have played center if they would have let him. Like that's a really, he's like a fun pick. That's a guy who can play slot and you can just have fun with. And he's probably not going to catch a lot of passes, but the ones that he does, like you will remember explosive Len Bowman plays, and then you'll have Brian Edwards as a reliable receiver who's going to get you a first down, who's going to get you a touchdown, like with inside the ten yard line, like a big physical guy. And I think I think it's interesting because uh, Brian Edwards played in Conway, 
Hunter Renfro played in soccer, Steve, which they aren't too far apart from one another. Yep. And so now they'll be paired up and from the Clemson to USC. And then once again, Clemson has a lot of players out there. So a lot of South Carolina talent, at least I went to college in South Carolina out there in, I guess, Las Vegas now. I really yep. wanted Brian Edwards to go to the Ravens. I really wanted that to see that happen. I was, that dude, team. I was cool with the Raiders. I, I like, like, I'm thinking, like, if I'm going to – I don't have – I don't currently have an NFL, like, South Carolina uniform, but I, I'm thinking the Raiders' white color rush are, I think, my favorite jerseys in the NFL right now. Those and Brian stuff. Edwards' one with the with the silver numbers, the Brian Edwards' one with the silver uh, numbers would look pretty good. So, like, yeah, that yeah. might be my pick. Yeah, those are um, definitely tough. I wonder how quick of an impact he'll make out there. Because uh, you know, like, because you see Brian McClendon generally can get these receivers as from South Carolina and get them to play in the NFL at pretty high levels, as you've seen with Debo. So hopefully he's able to go get the foot recovered or whatever the case may be and uh, be able to make a quick impact. Yeah, and then the other South Carolina pick I wanted to mention was uh, DJ Wanham went to. Um, Went to the Vikings, so a lot of people were calling that. I saw Brendan, Brendan was telling me he saw that, that a few sites that, that was still the draft. So that's sick for him. I mean, he definitely deserved to be drafted. I think he's, he could be a beast. Yeah, um, that, that was a great pick. And before you change the subject, um, Brian Edwards was also going against Keyshawn Nixon in practice. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Did yeah. you see his tweets about that? I thought that was awesome. Yeah, I did see that. I saw Keyshawn Nixon like immediately tweet after yeah. uh, Edwards got picked. That was pretty cool. Yeah, he was posting some pictures from like back in the day when they used to go up against each other, and he just said practice is going to be lit. So yeah, the, I think I'm that's sure cool. those two will be happy to be together again. There's like there's a good bit of guys like on the West Coast that are South Carolina, like they're cops yeah. now. So yep. But, Kaysonen came into camp last year and performed very well to the point where I don't even think he played in the final preseason game because he had made the roster. So he went out there and excelled. So Yeah, he did. He did really good. I wish I would have seen some more of him on uh, Hard Knocks, though. Yeah. Right. right. Um, and also, speaking of Wanham, he did a uh, – obviously, he went – what round did he end up going in? Fourth, right? Okay. I think he I was think fourth. He, I think his brother has the potential to be a first or second. Dylan, round. yeah. Yeah, for a tackle, I'm pretty sure. I don't know if we play guard attack on the league. But I think he has the talent. I think he's having some hip problems right now. But by the time it's all said and done, I love the pick. Obviously, the Vikings got rid of Stephon Diggs. So, they bring in Justin Jefferson. I did not I love that pick, too. Yeah, that was that – was, I thought that was a great instant fix. Yeah, it's like immediately one of my boys, Thomas, is like one out, one in. Like the now, one thing I I like Justin. I think I started to like him. A, obviously, I liked him the whole season. I really started to love him a lot more after the four touchdowns. I think in the SEC championship game. However, uh, Jamar Chase, semifinal. Yeah, semifinal. Yeah, um, I think Jamar Chase was the best receiver on that team. So and he was also the Blunt of Call Award winner, which is why I had to give uh, our guy AJ Terrell some like leeway because he was the Blunt of Call, and I think they were at the combine, I think, or maybe senior, something like that. And like four or five guys, like Jamar Chase is by far the best receiver we've ever played against. So obviously, something to look forward to next year. Him coming out of LSU. Yeah, that, yeah, he'll be a beast. Um, and then the only uh, – so we had TJ Brunson go to the Giants. Kyle Markway also signed with the Giants. There's a few other game guys got scattered in there. But we're going to shift gear. We'll talk about the last dance real quick. Um, before we hop off for the takes, done a good bit of draft talk. Give me – so we're through four episodes now. This week – I don't – what's coming this week? So we've had, like, the introductory episodes, and then we had the one about Rodman and the one – Mostly about Phil is uh, is what it's focused on. Uh, most in that in the fifth one. Yeah, no, I, fourth one, I, fourth one. I think next weekend we'll get a we'll get a little dose of Kobe, um, yeah. Kobe yep. and MJ. Uh, a little bit of the USA team with Magic. Um, so that should be good. Um, yeah, I think the US. I think the, uh, the USA team will be. Like I just hope. Go ahead, Matthew. Tell me your thoughts on it before. And then I'll talk about what I want to talk about because I want to see if you I want to see if you agree with me or not. Okay, I'm really liking it because I really wanted to know a little bit more about like when how was he when he first got into the league. And one thing Shannon Sharp and them have keep saying is it's showing 
how, like, although he was a great individual player, he had to kind of adjust his game a little bit in order to uh, get other guys involved. Because it was like, as even as great as he was, he uh, you have to be a team player since it's a team sport, and he was not able to get over the hump of the Pistons or the bad boy team, whatever you want to call it, until he was able to, like, kind of start distributing the ball a little bit more. And I think that's very important because I think – uh, some young kids think about, oh, Jordan, he just did it himself. But it's like, no, even he had to, like, conform to the a team sport. Like, you know Yeah, saying? I think there's a little bit of revisionist history around Jordan with it. He just came in and, like, won six championships. So yeah. it was, like – I mean, that's a pretty good reminder to people under, you know, 25, 26 years old. Uh, but anything else did you want to say real quick? Uh, I'm trying to think. Uh didn't understand Dennis Rodman. I didn't never understood how much uh, how much he studied or whatever, uh, being able to get like the rebounds and stuff like that. Because he's a vital part of the team. Also, it's nice to see how Scottie Pittman like kind of started to emerge. Thought it was crazy that Scottie Pittman and Dennis Rodman both came from like little little schools. Like I don't even yep. think we see that that much in these draft. Like in the draft now, it seems like a lot of guys are from maybe Division One AA, like a Steph Curry coming out of. I think now it's just like you don't see that anymore, just because like. You get, you have AAU. So if you're good at basketball, like an A, like if you're relatively good at high school basketball, some AAU coach is going to be like, "Yo, come play ball for me." And then you're going to play at these camps, and uh, pro guys or, or colleges are going to those camps, and then you go play college wherever, and like everyone knows who you are in the game of basketball by the time you're, I don't know, 15, 16, if you're good. Like it's just impossible to be under the radar of basketball anymore. Yeah, like, these guys are coming from, like, NAIA schools and things yeah, like that. That, also, that part of it's crazy. And the, also the fact that Scottie Pittman was, like, the ball boy or, like, a manager or something like that. And then I think yeah. he threw, like, five, six inches his yeah. freshman year of college. Like, some of these genetic things are absolutely, like, incredible. But, yeah, and then yeah. – uh, and I just saw the documentary on Dennis Rodman. And so I understood some things, but this documentary has also brought him to light. So I didn't realize he played for the Pistons. I did not know that. But, yeah, so that's what my takes on it. I've been loving it so far. I'm really liking how they're connecting the dots. I understand the full picture. Some people get a little bit confused. This is like at one point in time, it's like, okay, we're talking about whenever Scotty first got it. Then we go to whenever it's 1998. So I've, I've seen some confusion on that. But I'm enjoying it. So what you think? Yeah, I that was I was talking with one of my buddies the other day, and he's like, I keep getting lost when they flip back and forth in time. I do think sometimes – so, see, sometimes they transition it where they'll throw up, like, the timeline, and they'll say, yeah. you know, uh, February 10th, 1998, and then you'll see the timeline go backwards, you know, to January 21st, 1989. Like, just give me that visual. That's fine. But sometimes they do just, like, a straight jump cut back to uh, – the, like the early 90s early late 80s that that's a, that is a little confusing I think they could have cleaned that up and like if they would have had my problem with ESPN sometimes like on these things they get so in their own head and they hype it up so much that they miss just sitting down a regular person and just sitting them down and saying watch this and tell me what confuses you because I think if you had someone do that you take away a lot of like the little, the little inconsistencies like that and the little confusions. Um, and that's, like, easy to do. Like, I've done that. Like, I did that in the J school plenty of times. Like, where you're working on something so hard and you understand it completely, and then when you show it to someone else, they're like, okay, well, why did, like, there's no transition in these three parts. Like, you lost me a little bit. So, like, when you, if you just sit someone down and say, watch this, give me five things that you didn't get about it and then they give it to you, then you're like, oh, okay, all right, go back, fix that. And then you watch it again, you just have a better product. So I think, like, they kind of skipped a step there. And I, like, I have heard that a lot. I have seen it on Twitter, like, people are just complaining, like, oh, what, wait, what year are we in now? Um, but then, like, that part didn't really bother me. Like, I can keep up with it, and usually I can figure it, like, you can figure it out. So, like, early Jordan or late Jordan. Um, I thought the first two episodes were good. Like, inter like an entertainment level, like, it's been the most entertaining thing in the whole quarantine. Like, that, you can't debate that. Um, so, I thought they were good. I thought the third Rodman one was by far the best, right? You get the story about him going to Vegas for 48 hours or whatever. That was, like, that's – that was awesome. Like, that's what I want to see in, in a documentary is things that, like, little things that people don't already know 
And I guess that's my biggest problem with The Last Dance so far is I don't know a lot of these things, but it's because I was born in 1996 and because I'm not an NBA fan. But if you told me, like, if this was a 10-part documentary series about the 2001 Seattle Mariners, which have the best regular season baseball uh, record of all times, and then they didn't win the World Series, I would already, because I love baseball so much, I already know most of that story. Um, and even though, like, I wasn't old enough to live through it at the time, I would still know most of that. So, if, like, I'm trying to relate to someone who loves basketball as much as I love baseball. I feel like a, about 50% of this you already know if you're 23, 24. But you sh- and if you're 40, you probably already know about 80% of it. I just wish they would would give us, and I hope it's this way going forward, I wish they would give us the little stories like the Rodman 48 hours thing where people are like, oh, shit, like that's crazy. Like can you imagine like LeBron J- – well, I mean it wouldn't be LeBron. It would be like, I don't know, Chris Bosh, like being like uh, three or four years ago being like, hey, I need to go to Vegas for 48 hours. And him sitting down with, you know, uh, his coach and another player and then being like, why? And then, like, I just need to go. I need a vacation. And then be like, all right, we'll disappear. And then getting, like, drinking a Miller Lite as you're walking out of the arena, getting on a, a motorcycle and driving off to go get on a plane to go to Vegas with Carmen Electric. Like, I can't. Like, you can't relate that, like, today's times because that doesn't really happen. But, like, that's – I want to see more of those little things um, because I think the few that they've given us have been so awesome. And I think that the bigger – like, I've seen a lot of the bigger criticism from an older crowd on Twitter is that they hyped this up for so long and a lot of it I already know, and it's a good retelling of the story. But it's – already out there so like you can already find out this stuff uh but i do like as far as entertainment value i mean it's the best sports stock i've watched this year like as far as like how well it's done and like the footage they have uh and like hearing like mj talk about certain things and like then when the producers or whoever like pass the phone to whoever their interview whoever they're interviewing and be like, well, they'll pass the phone to Scotty Pippen and they'll ask him a question that they already asked Jordan and Scotty will answer. And then they'll pass the phone to him and be like, all right, well, this is what MJ said about it. And it's kind of cool to get their reaction about that. I think that was a cool idea. And I'm kind of glad they've been doing that. Like when they did these interviews, cause that, that's pretty cool. Like, because they're in, interviewing each one of them individually. And then you can tell sometimes that one of, you know, if they asked Jordan a question about Pippen, uh, with the season he was like when he was sitting out and Jordan will say something and then Pippen will give kind of like a like a standoffish answer and then they'll give Pippen the phone and be like all right well this is what Jordan said about you and then him being like oh okay like now I now okay. I feel comfortable saying like oh. whatever I was thinking like I yeah. think that part of it is cool I just wish I just want like going forward there to be more of the little stories that aren't already out there because I think when you hit on those as a documentary like that sets you apart from like that'll that'll make it stand the test of time. Okay, I get what you're saying. I okay, at first I was wondering what you're talking about, but yeah, I see them doing this a lot. I've not really seen this done too much in other documentaries that I've watched. It's definitely a different approach to doing things. Also, whenever he was talking about with Isaiah Thomas, uh, this is why Isaiah, I don't want to read that. I don't want to read that. It's a different touch. I've never seen them before, but I actually really like it. But I think also people do want to hear like the backstories, like the, the gambling games and like little things. That's, like that. that's what I want. That's what I thought we were getting. That That's that's what I was going to get to. I want to know like what MJ was gambling on, how much he's like, how much he's betting on like games, rounds of golf with people like. He just came outside the other day. Like someone asked him how much he uh, how much he plays golf now, and he says almost every day, always thirty six holes. So he's playing two rounds pretty much every day. I can't imagine how good he is now. Like I want to know how much he's still betting on golf. Like now, that's like I want a full two like two episodes on that. Um, the other thing I, like I was kind of confused about is I think a lot of people I did thought it was going to be just an MJ documentary. 
And then when you get five minutes of the first episode, you're like, oh, okay, like it's a whole, like just this season. Of yeah, it's definitely season. more of a team approach than it just Which is like, cool, but I just didn't think it was marketed that way. Yeah, yeah, it definitely wasn't. Uh, like it basically was marketed in a way that it's like, it's just Jordan's team. And it's like, we'll tell stories that we've had with Jordan. But it's not, yeah. but it's like, nah, they're actually going input showing high school footage of the high school college footage of other guys really i think as a matter of fact after watching the last episode people weren't really talking as much about jordan and the majority of the talk is on dennis rodman yeah so 100 yeah so the situation is really about the 98 bulls team as compared to uh simply and then i'm really glad they did that though because now i feel like people like obviously my age are going to like be like, uh, we didn't watch Jordan play. We're going to have a much better understanding. Like when we're talking about the general manager of the team, we understand that the owner, which still baffles me that the owner told them, do not sign the contract. And this is a contract that his team, I guess the general manager proposed to him. Like that is crazy to me. Like an owner, the owner of the team tells you don't sign the deal that my team is giving to you. Are you talking about with Pippen? Yeah, if there is a red flag, like, that is it. Now, I do understand, obviously, the circumstances. Two people in his family is paralyzed, whatever the case may be. But it's just like, yo, and I, and I really wish that they would uh, talk to his agent a little bit more. And so we could – well, I guess it's too late now. So we can get a little bit more of the backstory of, like, what – because I'm sure his agent probably was like, that might not be the best idea. That, yeah, that would have been cool. I, I got to agree with, like, having his agent to sit in, like, on that. I kind of like, I kind of wish they had done, like – instead of making it huge 10 parts, like why don't they just go like an hour and a half to an hour 40 on each, like, you know, pick seven players and then give MJ, you know, three hour and a half episodes. Like, and you get kind of that full wrap and you just find little ways to connect them within those episodes. Um, But yeah, that, that would have been sweet to have Pippen's agent sit there and talk to you for, you know, 10 minutes about how stupid he thought it was that Scotty was signing that, like signing that contract to stay in Chicago or like, and then kind of, because Scotty's not going to say how he truly felt. Like he just isn't like, you can tell from watching this, like the first part of this interview, like the first episode, like he's kind of a shy guy. Like he doesn't want to talk about himself that much. And like, you can tell he's struggling with it a little bit it would have been cool to have his agent be like, yeah, like he was pissed off. Like he didn't want to sign this. Or like, I told him don't sign this. You're an idiot. If you sign this, like you're going to lose, you know, so much money. You've already lost so much money in your career just because you want to play here. Like I get you, you know, you like this team, but they don't care about you because they're not paying you. Like they care about Michael Jordan and they care about this person and that person and that person, but they don't care about Scotty Pippen. You know, it would have been cool to have his agent talk about that for a while. That, that would have been really, really awesome. Yeah, and then also I thought one part I really – well, I don't know if I liked it. It just I was like, okay, that's that's cool. Was whenever Scotty decided he didn't want to play at first, the fact that Scotty didn't go get that – whatever that injury was, the fact that he didn't go get that surgery done in the offseason, and he deliberately knew. He was like, no, I'm not going to spend my whole offseason rehabbing whenever they're not – What do you say? He said, I'm not, I'm not going to fuck my summer up. Like, I was, I'm, I'm not about to fuck my summer up. That's I, pretty funny. Not, I was – and then with Jordan being his teammate and him being, like, the competitor that he is, like, and as much as they say demanding Jordan is, like, I cannot believe that Jordan was – I guess he really couldn't do anything because that is a whole grown man. But it's like, yo, like, you're – you're I'm watching you this this offseason just go chill, and you're going to purposely wait to the end. And Jordan called him selfish. But I guess a lot of times you hear with athletes, they like, we don't count anybody else's money. But I just thought that was like, yo, so I'm not going – I am purposely not going to get this surgery done until the season starts, and that's what it's going to be. Especially that, if you like the guy that you're playing with. Usually you would see that. I don't think you see that now. That's the thing. Like, I wish we kind of got some more of that tension too because you can tell, like, Jordan's still a little pissed about it. Yeah. Scotty kind of avoided the question. But, like, if you're Scotty Pippen, you've won five championships this time. Like, I would have just looked Jordan in the face and said, look, man, I've, I've been one of the – like, you're the greatest basketball player of all time, right? And at this time, this is before LeBron, so there is no LeBron versus MJ debate, which they've been doing on first take every day for the last two weeks. Um, like, you're the greatest basketball player of all time, but I'm in, like, the top 20, 25 greatest basketball players of all time, and I've gotten paid, uh, you know, one-fiftieth of what you've been paid. It's time for me to go get paid. 
So you can either tell the team that, you know, you have all the influence in over the, like all the influence in the world on like, tell them to pay me or you can try to win a championship by yourself. Cause I'm not going to get paid like crap. Like, and like, I think if I was Scotty Pippen, I would have been forced, like I would have had that conversation because they're like, I mean, two, three pizzas is cool, but like you won five championships. No one's going to say you're not a winner. So like he didn't need to, he really didn't need to win again at that point. Um, is how I would have felt about it. If I was him, I would have said, I'm going to go make my, my money. And which he, he did end up doing, he has more career earnings than Jordan by like 30 million, I think. Yeah. Also, but one thing that I didn't realize that guys did, and maybe just because they just didn't really like that general manager. First of all, the general manager telling Phil Jackson that that was crazy. They telling Phil Jackson, I don't care if you win however many games you're gone. But I didn't understand the relationship, and I guess with some of these teams between the players and the general manager, the fact that, like, they're constant. What Jordan cracking the jokes on him sometimes, that's whatever. But, like, Scotty being on the bus and, like, calling him out probably, like, I don't even know what he was saying to the guy. But it's like, oh, I you can only imagine. I, I never thought that that is the relationship sometimes between general managers and players. But And one key detail was whenever they asked about, before they hired that general manager, as they said in the show, they asked around the gag, and everybody was like, eh, that might not be a guy you want to mess with. And they're like, I don't need somebody who's going to – I forgot what they said. But like, I need a guy that's going to build a team for us. And so, like, they bring that did, guy dude. in. Which, uh, he did, He did. He built him a six-time champion. Like – it, it doesn't get – dynasties don't get much better than what the Bulls had in the night. Like, but what – but my question is, what was his deal with Phil to the point where Phil had to go? Like, what was the reason behind that? I don't – the storyline that they're, they keep pushing is that Jerry Krause wanted to be responsible. Like, he wanted to be given credit for putting the team together. I think had he just kept going, like, and kept his relationship solid and, like, tried to pay Pippen – and tried to keep Phil and tried to just ride that team into the sunset, people would now sit back and say Jerry Krause was, you know, the best GM basketball has ever seen, right? He built a six-time NBA champion. Well, who knows if they stayed together. Maybe they went eight. He built an at least six-time NBA champion, and, you know, he turned a franchise that had never done anything into the, one of the biggest names in basketball. And, and – he would be remembered right along with Phil Jackson and the rest of that team. But instead now people look back at him and think he's kind of a loser and that he didn't like get anything right. And that he's an asshole because you have Scottie Pippen telling you that he's an asshole, but maybe Scottie Pippen was the asshole in the whole thing. We don't really know. Like I like, because he just, he just played it wrong. Like he just wanted to be bigger than what he was. And I think some GMs just get jealous. Like, and if you get six championships, like, I think maybe at that point, like, you're getting jealous. But I also think you have to realize your position as a GM and say, I'm the GM. I'm not the star player. My job is to put these guys together and win a championship for, you know, the city, our owner, uh, our sponsors, whoever. It's my job just to orchestrate it and pull the strings. I'm not really supposed to be seen and given credit and all of that. There's a reason we refer to you as the GM. And we refer to Phil Jackson as Phil Jackson, right? We don't refer to Phil Jackson as the coach because people don't really remember the GM's name because we're not supposed to, right? That job is being in the background and pulling those strings together. And then, you know, after everything's done and you leave that place, you'll be remembered as great. And I, don't, I just think he had too much of an ego and he just couldn't get over that. Yeah. One general manager that you see in basketball now that's kind of talked about a decent amount is the manager. I mean, the general manager for the Celtics, I think. And he's just kind of known for like his brash moves sometimes, or just sometimes he's being kind of cut. Yeah. But that come kind of comes with the territory. We got I guess you celebrate general managers like that. When you see the moves, maybe I actually looking back. At he's it. also like a player guy. Like, yeah. Like he's going back and forth with like Mark smart on Twitter. And like, he just kind of does that with his play. Like, He's different than Jerry Cross was. Jerry Cross is like a straight up, like, you know, played it by the rules kind of person. Like, that's fine. You can be that person, but you are a behind the scenes guy. And to try to play it one way, you know, if you're straight laced and then you try to play it like, no, I want all the credit now. Like, that's not how it works as a GM. Like, you don't really get the credit. You know, you act, you've done the part to stay behind the scenes. You can't just come out and demand, like, oh, I want all the credit for this. 
like you just you screwed a lot of people over and you tried to make yourself the face of the bulls when you we were never going to be yeah that just wasn't going to that just wasn't going to happen also with the jordan gambling thing it's crazy because I think that I'm sure they're going to hit on this a little bit more, but they show whenever he first got to the Bulls how, like, he went in the room and they were doing whatever they were doing in the hotel. And he's like, whoa. And then, so, and then they talked about, like, whenever he was first with the Bulls, if you go to his house, he looked like almost like a college kid. And so I think they're going to transition that into I hope. showing the 98. And it's like, yo – Things have changed tremendously because it's like this was the kid who walked away from that to being the person where it's like, yo, it's, it's up. You know what I'm saying? So I, I don't know how they're going to – I hope they show – like you were saying, that's a really good point. I hope they kind of show a little bit more of the backstory because the people definitely want to see that. That's what the masses want to tweet. We want to see the dirty stuff that we've never seen before and you hear all these rumors about. We want to actually have, you know, someone come out and say like, oh, yeah, like Jordan was doing coke ten nights a week like in throwing $100,000 on um, like a game of, you know, a roulette, like regularly, just whatever. But all right, I think that's going to be it for us this week. Hopefully that'll get – hopefully like we're excited. I think Matthew and I are both excited to see what happens. Matthew's kind of frozen. He's went out, so I guess he's missing the end here for a second. He's coming. There you are. You're back. Yeah, um, But, yeah, that'll be it for us this week. So we'll see you – Sometime soon. I don't think we probably probably won't drop an episode next week unless something happens because we don't want like it's just nothing's going on. Well, we'll so we'll see. Tentative, but we'll be back on a Wednesday or Thursday at some point uh, soon. Uh, make sure you're following the show. Make sure you're subscribed so you will get that show as soon as as soon as we put it out. Uh, and then make sure you're following the show Twitter and Instagram at the lead underscore block uh, Matthew at Math, math chosen one with the number one myself at Tyler Walter CNR and that'll be it any last words Matthew oh by the way Brian McClendon to Oregon so that, that's happening oh yeah forgot to mention that yeah we'll talk about that on the next show uh, Brian McClendon to Oregon alright that's it peace this podcast is part of the Garnet Media Group podcast network Garnet Media Group is a partnership between student run media outlets at the University of South Carolina Find out more about Garnet Media Group's podcast and other student work on garnetmedia.org.